Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Autosport Magazine and Autosport.com, I'm Luke Smith and this is the Autosport Podcast. After missing the past two years due to COVID-19, Formula One has made a very welcome return to Suzuka this weekend for the Japanese Grand Prix. The fans are back with their crazy costumes, custom hats and even some full race suits and the drivers have been delighting in what is undeniably one of the greatest racetracks in the world. The usual fight between Ferrari and Red Bull for pole position unfolded once again on Saturday and it was Max Verstappen who topped qualifying by just one hundredth of a second from Charles Leclerc, while Carlos Sainz was narrowly behind in third place. Verstappen was at risk of losing pole over an incident with Lando Norris at 1.30R at the start of Q3 but after a hearing with the stewards, they deemed it only worthy of a reprimand. It means Verstappen keeps pole and is in the pound seat to wrap up his second F1 world title tomorrow morning. Joining me to discuss qualifying after quite a busy day for F1, both on and off track, is Autosport F1 editor Matt Q. Now, Matt, looking at Verstappen's pole lap, it was his first attempt that did it. 
the second lap he ran a little bit wide going through turn one and they even said there was a duck that actually came off and broke off his car was Verstappen quite fortunate that Ferrari did fall just short in the second run or was it a case of Ferrari failing to properly seize the moment hello London Marathon finisher Luke Smith I can't let this oh stop it you obviously uh, crediting you for that what an amazing amazing achievement as for the Ferrari challenge, well, both of them sort of overcooked their tyres into into the final sector, which gave Verstappen a bit of breathing space. If you look through FP3 and the headline times, Verstappen just he, he could sort of turn it on whenever whenever he wanted. In Q1, in Q2, he he only did one lap apiece, whereas Perez felt the need to go back out again. He just he just looked so measured. But yes, he probably was a bit lucky. Um, I would say though that on the on the second lap where he does have that bodywork fluff, I think that's his fault. I think he's he's a bit too wide, isn't he? Through that sort of opening famous sequence of sweeps and, and clips the outside curb and rips a bit of carbon fibre off. So I would lay that as his feet. Uh, but he, he still had enough in the bag, you know, and because of that, he lost a bit of time in, in sector one. He still managed, despite, you know, whatever aero deficit that bit of damage was causing him, he still managed to set a personal best in sector two and then sort of... Uh, Everyone was slow in the final sector. Those those Pirellis, it's a bit like 1980 spec, isn't it? Where you've got qualifying tyres that barely last the, the whole lap. I'm not going to make a joke about Ferrari having a qualifying engine that will barely last a lap. That would be too too easy to do. Decent effort. Just It just feels like we've been slightly robbed of a, of a thrilling climax, really, because you watch all those sectors on a TV or we're lucky enough to have access to those micro sectors and you can sort of see the lap coming together or, or not in this case. It felt like we are just denied something maybe a bit special right at the end. Yeah, still very, very close between Verstappen, Leclerc and Science. Science only half a tenth of a second off, but third place. And he said afterwards that he's kind of fed up that this half a tenth always seems to fall the way of Verstappen and Leclerc and not his way. Obviously, uh, just the, uh, what, two F1 poles to his name so far. One of those inherited at Spa. But it could have been Leclerc who inherited pole today had Verstappen received a penalty for that instant with Lando Norris. Now, it was a bit of a dicey one at the start of Q3. Both of them were warming up their tyres, getting ready for their first push laps. Verstappen appeared to light up his rears, veered to the left as Norris was flying past it towards uh, 130R. It meant Norris had to take evasive action and actually go onto the grass a little bit to avoid Verstappen. The stewards looked into it. They spoke to both drivers, gave him a reprimand. Uh, apparently Norris, who initially said that he thought it would be a penalty, said it was an unfortunate instant and accepted that. Matt, what was your read of it? Was uh, Do you think the stewards maybe acted a little bit too lightly with Verstappen or was it just one of those things and not really any harm done? My first reaction is it's quite a scary shot. I mean, Norris had to be properly on it then to take some, to take some, as you say, evasive action. Otherwise, that's a, that's a big old mess, those two cars coming together. I mean, I've read through the justifications and, and Verstappen saying he had signs up ahead, but that doesn't really seem to be a factor to me. That you know, This is a, a classic case where you see it all the time. The team radio should be giving him better information about who coming from behind even if they both wear on outlaps so theoretically reduce speed and obviously you know with the with the fragile tires you do sort of only wait until you're out of the chicane to gun it so maybe you could argue Norris was being a bit sort of um quick at the end of at the end of only an outlap but you know it's his prerogative to do that and, and Verstappen like you say uh I wonder if he's read the justification he would doubt he would like being referred to as having lost control of the car when he stamps on the accelerator to put some heat in the tires and it steps that wide of the penalty or lack thereof I don't know if I if I'm Norris I go in arguing okay you know you've given reprimands to everyone 
this season for for similar for similar cases. But I go and argue not the evasive action, but because it's happened right at the end of the lap, I've got loads of mud and grass over my tyres. So that's ruined not only my my outlap but also potentially my tyre allocation. So I think that's what I'd have gone in strongly as if I if I were him. It was interesting as well to see how the drivers changed tack. We saw the onboard of. Verstappen a lap later going past Norwich and, stick, and Norris and sticking his hand up and going, sorry about that. And then brilliant, he comes into the post-quality press conference on pole saying, well, Norris needs to be more respectful. What on earth is he playing at? So I liked, I liked how he sort of went into the mode of, right, you know, stewards are going to be onto this. Let's go on the offensive and, and sort of really solidify my defence. I don't know. I went for listeners of the post Singapore Grand Prix podcast. I went in on the FIA a little bit. I don't think now's, a, now's the right time to do it. I think that's probably about the right outcome and... Obviously, this is meant to be uh, a uniform punishment across the board, which is just what they've stated that, you know, we give a reprimand every time. But, you know, I I, I think it would have been an unfortunate um, outcome and the repercussions it would have had if they had a penalised Verstappen on, on obviously what is a weekend where he, he can win the title, much more so than Singapore. So um, I would say I am satisfied and can see... Uh, for the good of this weekend, why it wasn't anything more than a reprimand. And also for the good of this weekend as well, a decision delivered fairly quickly. I believe it was only 90 minutes after the incident, not the two and a half hour wait that we had in Singapore. Obviously slightly different, but uh, yes, a swift decision, meaning there's no long wait for what the grid will actually look like. Looking at um, sort of long runs race numbers. Now, you always do the Friday feature looking at practice and crunching the numbers but when it's a wet session as we had yesterday it kind of clouds things a little bit have you got a bit of a read in terms of sort of where things are going to be in terms of sort of the race pecking order in terms of Ferrari versus Red Bull and in terms of the setups as well we've seen Mercedes this weekend they've been hurt by the fact they've had to go high down forces you need for Suzuka and then exposed by their lack of straight line speed is the sort of the inverse of that working for Red Bull, the fact that they can, as they did at Spa, run the car really high downforce and still have this absolute rocket ship in a straight line that's going to make Verstappen very hard to beat tomorrow? You pretty much nailed it, mate. Um, uh, wet weather in FP1 and FP2, which actually, you know, the forecast was it probably wasn't going to go ahead at all because it was meant to be such a washout, but ahead they went anyway and, and the running order was disguised. So because Mercedes are running, you know, high high downforce, even though the drag that they still massively suffer and that big climb out of the hairpin on on the way to 130R, and then obviously down the main straight. That was that was masked a little bit, which is why Russell and Hamilton could could go so fast. And you also had the element of um, people saving tires. So Verstappen did all of his uh, free practice two sort of race simulations on on the intermediate. So you know they were pretty much worn into a slick by the end of the session. Whereas Mercedes and Ferrari put two lots on. So you know that's why Carlos signs. If you look at the race runs yesterday. He was a second a lap faster than, than Verstappen over over a little period. But the elements there are that Sainz's stint was half the length of Verstappen, so probably carrying less fuel. He did it on new tyres as well, so a bit quicker anyway. And and um, and then you don't know what engine modes are and all of that, but you know, that may become relevant because as the weekend develops, the forecast is going from like the what we had in Spa earlier this year, Luke, where five minutes after the flag, it buckets it down. Uh, it's now looking like it might actually um, catch the, the final few laps of how that will play in. But I think fundamentally, yeah, we, you know, not much dry running in, in FP3. They had to scramble through all the compounds to see what really worked. So we don't know too much about the dry pace. So I think we rely on, you know, sort of the our base understanding, like you said, that this is a track that, you know, 
requires high downforce but has got those two sort of flat out sections so if he can whack the wings up and not get understeer which is what Perez ironically was suffering with you know Perez usually can deal with understeer pretty well but it had an extreme and had to pit for some flap adjustments in quality Verstappen didn't have those issues uh yeah you combine the downforce and then if you've got a Honda engine it's going to throw you up a straight it 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 comes out pretty handsomely, which is which is what what Red Bull have done, or certainly Verstappen has done. Perez, you know, another that sort of usual four tenth gap now that we've come to expect. Yes, definitely. I think that Honda success is something that the Japanese fans obviously will be very keen to see. Honda, the uh, toe being dipped ever more in back into Formula One with Red Bull. They've got the logos back on the Red Bull and AlphaTauri cars this weekend. But saying that. The fans at Suzuka, there's a natural sort of interest in Yuki Tsunoda flying the flag for Japan, for Honda as well. But it seems like pretty much every driver has got at least one super fan out there in the grandstands. But one man who's really come to, I think, um, resonate with the fans at Suzuka over his F1 career is Sebastian Vettel. Now, Vettel said on Thursday in the press conference that he would be open to a one-off return to F1 if it was at Suzuka. He loves this track. We heard him give a really lovely radio message in Q3. He did really well to reach Q3 let's also yeah not sort of underplay his performance there but yeah he said that this is the best track in the world and yeah it's just so much fun than all of the other tracks how much was this again another sign of sort of Seb's humanity and I think how much Suzuka has meant to him perhaps why this sort of goodbye might feel a little bit different to him compared to all the other circuits yeah it's it's a really sort of sweet story I watched a couple of videos that surfed online of him meeting fans and obviously you know Suzuka you say about the DRS hats or whatever they're just the attention to detail like the craftsmanship almost and some of the things they do is amazing he was presented with a few sort of figurines I, I think and I was watching that is really sweet and and Beto was obviously quite eloquent and, and actually took the time to engage and ask a few questions and had a bit of back and forth a bit of joking with the fans so you know that that stands out really well and it is it is a mega track I think you know obviously he's 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 done well here before and then you've got the combination of it's a classic track think of the history whether it's you know 2005 with Raikkonen and Fisichello or, or Senna Prost and in the 80s and 90s you've got the history and also it is a dare I say it's a bit of a Saturday track especially with these big wide cars now we've got it's mega you've got the high downforce sweeps you've got the Degner which is just a mega curve spoon famous 130 all of that is brilliant but it is it is a bit narrow so you're not going to get even with these rules I'm not predicting uh, a massive overtaking fest so if you're going to join Suzuka at any point it's going to be with no fuel in the car nearly in qualifying so and especially after Aston Martin have looked quick at certain points of season but almost universally whenever they look quick they manage to mess up their tyre strategy and be eliminated in Q1 can't get any temperature into into the into the rubber but they nailed it this time well certainly Vettel did Lance Stroll is starting uh, 19th but um, Vettel nailed it so I can understand why good result at the tail end Tracky loves on Saturday when the car's at its best, I can understand why he's come away, you know, particularly buoyant about that. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner
Another man particularly buoyant after, well, two men actually buoyant after today will be Pierre Gasly and Nick de Vries. The main news this morning breaking at 1am in the UK, uh, 9am over in Japan, was that Pierre Gasly, as expected, will race for Alpine in F1 next year. He joins on a multi-year deal. That has opened up a space at AlphaTauri, which is taken by Nick de Vries. De Vries, uh, obviously the 2019 F2 champion, champion in Formula E with Mercedes as well, had that brilliant cameo for Williams uh, on debut finishing ninth at Monza earlier this year but he will finally get his full-time F1 shot next year with AlphaTauri. Um, Matt let's start with Gasly you wrote a really good feature on Autosport Plus about him and sort of what this means for his F1 career. He's been with Red Bull for nine years they've helped him through his junior career helped him into F1 he's raced for their their junior team the senior team back at the junior team again. How much is this move going to define Pierre Gasly's F1 career and how we look back on him in years to come? Massively, especially now you've got the precedent of Albon at, at, at Williams. Gasly now for, what, four seasons? You know, certainly since he was dropped midway through 2019 from the Red Bull team. Expectedly, he's in the pool of, you know, below Max Verstappen and therefore you're probably rating below George Russell, Leclerc, Hamilton. But he's always had the measure of his teammate, whether it's Sonoda or, or wiping the floor with uh, Daniel Kvyat as well. So he's been in this sort of, mid-tier but it's a really big pool of drivers you can fit into that so by have him hang against Ocon who is a good driver I think his F1 stock has fallen recently particularly after sort of being um uh Trounce is maybe a bit too strong but certainly put in his place by Alonso but it's just another benchmark for for Gasly so we can assess him and see where he compares because he feels really hard done by by his Red Bull stint the team blame Gasly naturally you know it's, it's um so it would be good to rate him and also to like you say to to you know break free of Red Bull because if you never feel sorry for an F1 driver what a job they have but if you look at his career he's probably better than being Alpha Tori you know you see the race wins the uber consistency leading the team but it's been clear for some time now that he's not going to uh, go back to Red Bull. In fact, you know, Red Bull have sort of binned off their whole driver program. They've undermined it essentially by by recruiting Perez to go alongside Verstappen. So he was Gasly was kept in a holding pattern, doing all he could do. Even apart from you know freak race at Monza every twelve years, he's never going to be allowed to necessarily win as well if he's in the de facto second team. So breaking free. Going to a French team, obviously, that has a a nice feel to it, although essentially I don't think that matters much at all. It's a nice add-on, but if Alpine are paying you well and it's a bona fide manufacturer team, then great. Um, It's a step up the grid. You know, they're they're probably, well, they have got the fourth fastest car this year. They just need to make sure it doesn't break down to give McLaren a, a, a shot at the Constructors' Championship. So all of this is moving forward and whether you think it's ambitious or not, Alpine do have this 100 race target to, to win titles and and even if that's a flight of fancy, it's more than AlphaTauri have got. AlphaTauri are always going to say, well, our, our, over the next 100 races we'll come second in the Championship because we'll never be, you know, that step ahead of Red Bull. So it is a step forward. Uh, I also want to uh, uh, sort of just shout out to Alonso. So obviously he, he stitched the team up a little bit by walking out and really con- swiftly concluding this deal with Aston Martin and then, you know, him and Otmar didn't really know where each other were, whether they're on holiday or in Spain or whatever. And now we're, you know, mu- that much further down the line in this, we've got Alpine announcing their French super team, but the announcement comes out at two o'clock local time in France, so their fans don't get to see it. And that is because 
Alpine have been forced into announcing this in a country where they have a presence because all the other remaining races, if you go to USA, Mexico, Brazil, they don't sell cars there. And then you get to Abu Dhabi where only, you know, it's end of season, people aren't really going to care. So they've been forced to announce it in Japan, this funky time zone, again, because of a knock-on effect of Alonso, all while as well, in Japan as well, announcing the Alonso tribute edition of their sports car. It is brilliant. The fact they got Ocon to announce Alonso's sports car, it's just brilliant. The, 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 the sort of ripples of that driver market city season are still continuing. I found that quite amusing in a way. Yeah, I don't think there's. Uh, I, I don't think we're ever going to tire of sort of telling the story of this silly season. It's definitely been uh, probably the, one of the silliest of silly seasons. And uh, one of the big beneficiaries, though, is Nick DeVries. He's going to be 28 by the time he makes his F1 debut, which sounds uh, pretty ancient by sort of modern standards for an F1 rookie. But he's a driver who's earned his stripes. He's bided his time. He's worked his way up. Uh, I believe you. Did you cover his championship winning Formula E season? I did, yeah. What kind of driver is Formula One getting? A very demanding one. Like, I know we've, you know, just had a Suzuki qualifying session where Gasly and Sonoda berated the team over, you know, every time they're flexing their big toe, the brakes are locking up on the Alfa Tori. They're, you know, really going at it. But De Vries is demanding, but he has that element of charm. So it's like, I want this, this and this, but because I'll do it with a nice smile, I'm going to get my way. And, and usually he's he's really really right about that I think the age thing is interesting because actually yes he will be 28 which for a rookie is very old really by comparison especially when you know his compatriot Max Verstappen is scooting so much but I think maybe actually we should start looking at the other way and go well he's younger than Perez because he is now in the AlphaTauri if he does a good job you know Verstappen gets on well with him they're good mates but Verstappen is is the quicker of the two drivers so if Perez retires or or has a bit of a poor season again you know next year and they don't renew his contract then De Vries should be in contention for that seat again that's okay he's not a Red Bull junior driver he's he's come from the Mercedes ranks but that is ultimately the aim of that team as well is 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 to provide drivers so maybe his instead of him being an old rookie maybe him being younger than than Perez actually might pay off I know he's you know only done one Formula One race I'm already talking about him getting into a championship winning car but that that's got to be the trajectory he, he he thinks and but he does need to come in and prove himself you know there's a slight narrative around him that well, mate, you know, I've had to do things the unconventional way because I, you know, I was the F2 champion and didn't get an F1 drive. Well, you know, second in that championship was Nicholas Latifi and he's fighting for his F1 career. And then obviously he went and won um, a Formula, the Formula E title. Very odd season that no one was particularly consistent, although De Vries was mega. I think you could argue based on, on this season, they've changed the Formula E qualifying format to make it a bit more linear. I think you could argue that De Vries is not quite as good as Stoffel van Dorn, but Stoffel van Dorn at least publicly says he doesn't want to come back to F1. So now you have this situation where De Vries is, is come in and, and, and I think it's it's an interesting signing. I, I would, you know, I don't want to uh, uh, be harsh about Yuki Tsunoda, but I'd expect De Vries to, you know, be quickening him fairly soon. And I think it will um, show a stark contrast in sort of working practices when you get methodical De Vries who demands a lot from from the team and not just in terms of I want this change into the car and blah 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 but because he is an uber professional he wants people to be just the same and 
there were certain sort of rumours about why he got dropped from the McLaren program aside from from speed. But I think as he's matured, he's learned how to get what he wants, and he won't do the Yuki Tsunoda. Oh, this car's a piece of rubbish or whatever. I think he's a bit better about going about things and getting what he wants. So that should ingratiate himself to the team, and I think he's fast enough to to be the stronger of the two drivers and. And let's see where that takes him. I mean, it's a good deal, isn't it? You know, this time 12 months and it was becoming clear that he was in a frame for a Williams drive but got overlooked and they went with Alex Albon. Well, he's sort of almost taken Alex Albon's place in a, in a way, if you think, because after after being dropped from Red Bull, like Gasly was or like Kvyat, you expect Albon to go back to Toro Rosso, but he didn't. He had a year on the sidelines and now has cut ties with Red Bull and... and De Vries has now got, if you like, his seat, if you want to think of it that way. So what he can do with it, he's, you know, okay, Alfa Tori having a rubbish season and they struggle with the adaption to ground effect, but he's now sort of maybe leapfrogged two or three spots at the Constructors' Championship. So let's see what he can do with that. Yeah, definitely an exciting opportunity for Nick De Vries. Likewise for Gasly at Alpine. But tomorrow, of course, it is the Japanese Grand Prix. Max Verstappen on pole position. Remember, he can wrap up the world title. If he wins with the fastest lap, he is world champion, no matter what Charles Leclerc does. It's going to be a very interesting race, an early start for everybody. But we will be back, of course, with the Sunday podcast, reviewing the race. I believe it's myself and Alex and Martin. We'll be on to talk to you then. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for joining me as always we look forward to reading all of your work over the remainder of the weekend and uh, yeah we will see you tomorrow for the Japanese Grand Prix Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.